It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. We begin a new series here. If you missed the prior broadcast, you know that we did a several-month discussion on the millennial reign of Christ. It took about two and a half months, even three months to get through that. And so all of those broadcasts are found at our website at calvaryfountain.com. And you can go back, listen to the whole series and share it with your friends and family alike. Today, we begin a new adventure together. Really, as we explore God's word together, this is going to be a very convicting study, I believe, to challenge all of us with where we are headed in our life. There are two roads, two gates. What are we doing with this choice that has been given to us by Almighty God to choose which path we will journey, whether it be unto death or unto life? And we want to really share with you what the scriptures have to share with us on this because to get our attention, I shared on my Facebook page, it wasn't that long ago, a very convicting post, and it was called Famous Atheists last words, famous atheists, last words. And in this, I just simply highlighted a number of individuals who really had never made the decision for Jesus Christ. They could not accept the fact that they were accountable to Almighty God, that they had been created by a creator who desired to know them, that they know him, and that they walk with him. They chose rather to ignore the truth that was all around them and to walk the path unto destruction. And so to hear their words was so convicting as people were stirred by this. That particular post was shared almost a thousand times. And that was a record. I never had a post shared like that. So we knew right away We needed to take this to the radio waves and to discuss it in detail. Let's begin our study here together. This will really be the verse that sets the tone for what we're going to capture here over the next few weeks. It's going to take us a little while to get through this. It really starts to take on an apologetics study. But we're going to read here Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. Here's what we read. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. You see, the evidence is all around us, and we have to make a decision. God has made it very clear that we are accountable to Him, and He is a Creator who desires us to know Him intimately, deeply, by way of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so to help me in this study, as we now examine the famous atheists and their final words, Dr. Steve Ford is here in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. 
Thank you, John. This is a great follow-up from the millennium. Where do you want to spend the millennium? That's, That's right. Part of what we're going to be talking, and even beyond that, where do you want to spend eternity? And I think you made such a great point. You know, God wants wants everybody to be saved. It's hardest that everyone would come to Him. That's right. In saving faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, you know, C.S. Lewis did such a great job in the Great Divorce. Is but the Great Divorce talking about people who go to hell choose hell for themselves. It's not that they're they're necessarily consigned there. They've rejected God. They have chosen. This is a choice that they have made. He, mm. he says in there, there are two types of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those who God says to, thy will be done. Mm. So in the end, those people who wind up there, that was their choice. That was the choice they made during this lifetime. That's right. And we see that in some of the quotes, some of these amazing quotes. I'm not surprised at all the response that you had with that Facebook page, because some of these uh, some of these quotes are actually terrifying. That's right. And we wanted to start with uh, Cesar Borgia, an mm. Italian nobleman, politician, and cardinal. While I lived, he says, I provided for everything but death. Now I must die, and I am unprepared to die. And this is a cardinal. Mm, that's right. And you know, he was as the story tells us, you know, you go back through the history books here and you can see that he was ambushed by enemy knights and being betrayed by allies, he was killed by a spear. And so some may say, well, could he have uttered such words in those final moments? What we know to be true though is it was what has been captured there. In fact, it was quoted in Billy Graham's book Who's in Charge of a World That Suffers? Uh, that particular quote was cited, and we know that even in his final days, he was questioning. He was not in allegiance to God. His heart was not right with the Lord. He had not accepted what was clearly made and revealed to him. And, and here, this was his demise. He's being betrayed, uh, murdered, and yet in that moment, he was unprepared to meet the Lord, even with all that he had known. Uh, there's another quote here, and this one also stirred people a bit, uh, Thomas Hobbes, and he probably knows Thomas Hobbes well. Uh, he says, I say again, if I had the whole world at my disposal, I would give it to live one day. I'm about to take a leap into the dark. Now, the Oxford University Press quotes it as saying, I'm about to take my last voyage, a great leap in the dark. But nonetheless, what you see there is a man who was unprepared to go beyond that this body, he was about to graduate from it, either unto life or unto death. And to his perspective, it was into darkness. There was no light to behold. There was nothing to receive him on the other end of a glorious joy. And so that was, that was very convicting, I believe, to those who read that quote. Yeah, when as Christians, we're told to be looking forward with hope to the Lord's appearing. Mm. Paul said, it's, it's better that I go. It's better for you that I stay, but it's better for me that I go and spend eternity with Christ. So he had no fear of death. He That's knew right. where he was going, and he had peace with that. Another quote is from Thomas Paine. Any of us who are familiar with American history will recognize the name Thomas Paine, atheistic writer of the American colonies. Mm. He's quoted as saying, stay with me. For God's sake, I cannot bear to be left alone. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, God, what have I done to suffer so much? What will become of me hereafter? I would give worlds, if I had them, that the age of reason had never been published. Oh, Lord, help me. Christ, help me. No, don't leave. Stay with me. Send even a child to stay with me, for I am the, on the edge of hell, here, alone. If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't convict well, our listener right now. I don't yeah. know what will. I mean, here we have individuals who 
thought themselves to be so wise. Right, Just as scripture said, the, the intellectuals of the earth, the, the ones who thought themselves to be the philosophers, examining all the stuff in the box, and they come to the conclusion that there is no purpose to it. In fact, as he wrote The Age of Reason, he was rejecting uh, basically the, the the value, the benefit of the infrastructure of religion in society, which Benjamin Franklin had implored him, don't publish this because right. if men are so wicked with religion, imagine right. him without. Right. He, he saw this as that he was trying to unleash man into this state of utopia where they were free from the shackles of religion. When to the contrary, what it did was simply unleash the sin of man because they were no longer accountable to a higher authority. That's right. Hence why they use that legal term under God so frequently. In fact, 21 of the founding fathers used that term uh, because it was a state of accountability, a higher power, a standard of morality, the definition of law itself. And so Thomas Paine fought that through and through. And here at the very end, he's questioning his very purpose and existence in, in lamenting remorse why was I this vessel, this instrument of darkness yeah. in his final days? How about Sir Thomas Scott? He says, until this moment, I thought there was neither a God nor a hell. Now I know and feel that there are both, and I am doomed to perdition by the just judgment of the Almighty. Wow. Um, now, this is an unconfirmed quote. Uh, But he worked closely with the Archbishop of Canterbury during his time in an elected position, according to the history of Parliament. And so even his religious standing is a bit ambiguous. I mean, it's it's hard to say was he whether he, he was fully an atheist or not, but here he's even questioning at his very end whether there was a God or a hell. And now he's finally coming to the conclusion at his final moment there is these. These these roads that were clearly presented are now before me, and I have chosen poorly. Yeah, exactly. I have walked the wrong road. And, and this really comes back to the Matthew 7 individual who claim that they're a follower of God, and yet he will say, depart from me, I never oh, knew you. Yeah. It's like they're going through the motions like the Pharisees, right. acting religious and pious, but having no relationship with God whatsoever, because the religion served their purposes, and it wasn't to prostrate themselves before a holy and high God to whom... Right. They were accountable. Yeah, like we said before, that may be just the most terrifying verse in Scripture <laughs> that I've never known you to think, you know, that you're in the Lord's camp, that you're a follower, and have the Lord say, I never knew you. You know, we never had a relationship, you know, at the end of all things. Another quote we have is from Voltaire, another well-known anti-Christian figure, an atheist. He mm. said, I have swallowed nothing but smoke. I have intoxicated myself with incense that turned my head. I am abandoned by God and man. He said to his physician, I will give you half of what I am worth if you will give me six months of life. When he was told this was not possible, he said, then I shall die and go to hell. His nurse said, for all the money in Europe, I wouldn't want to see another unbeliever die. All night long, he cried for forgiveness. Yeah, and it's also stated that right before he died that he took so many drugs and did all the mad things that threw him into the most frightful state of despair and insanity. Wow. So here's a man who influenced many uh, with his various, uh, you know, I, I don't know, statements and uh, thoughts and, and various ponderings oh, of yeah, the universe. Uh, and all of these statements have been even reiterated a time or two in higher learning environments oh, sure. uh, in academia. And so, you know, here's a man who did not know his destination fearful of death. Uh, This terrified him. He didn't rest well 
in his final final hours. And so, you know, these words that we are stating here on the air are ones to help us understand that these supposed famous atheists uh, had no peace at the time of death. Uh, their lives were uh, f- futile. They were a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. And then they're trying to take an account of what they have done in this life and now what it has amounted to at their final breath and what they're weighing the scales here of their life and and service and actions is found wanting. There is nothing Mm -hmm. now to show for it. And now they go into the great unknown as they see it with no hope. And that's what we want you to hear today on the, on the air is that this is a serious discussion that we're having here that individuals that we have looked up to in institutions of higher learning are ones that have no answer to give. The wisdom of men is foolishness unto God. Amen. And there is only one path to choose, and therein lies the hope. Right. And that's what we want you to hear quite vividly as we uh, read these quotes on the air. Yeah, that's so true. You know, when you think about it, and you think of, as we've spoken about before, works of hay, wood, and stubble versus gold, silver, and precious stones, the things that we're so concerned about this in this life, the things that they were so concerned about, by three generations— for most of us, nobody will remember us. The things that we were concerned about, our achievements, they'll be gone. I mean, how much do we know about our great-grandparents? Right. So the only things that really matter in this life are those things that have eternal value. Yeah. Amen. So Amen. I, how about um, Ro- yeah, Robert Ingersoll? Let me read that one. Sure. And then, uh, Dr. Ford, you can read David Hume. <laughs> uh, Robert Ingersoll, he said, Oh, God, if there be a God, save my soul if I have a soul. Some say it was said this way, Oh, God, if there be a God, save my soul if I have a soul from hell if there be a hell. Now, as some have questioned whether or not that quote is legitimate in his final hour, because what we've read, or at least uh, from testimonial accounts, they have stated that he died suddenly during a normal conversation with his wife, uh, who is attempting to treat him after he suffered an apparent heart attack. Uh, But yet what we find is that even before perhaps that final moment of that suffering these were the type of thoughts that he was contemplating about his own existence. I, I don't know if perhaps as you're listening to this right now, sometimes you've t- spoken with an individual. It seems like they're made aware of their final days. Like they they're seem to be getting their affairs in order. They have like some urgency in their heart. They want to start giving things away. Maybe they have a, a sudden surge of energy right before their final hour. Right. And sometimes these things just come out of these individuals that are quoted and cited to them, but it's not necessarily their final breath. Right. And, and so even in their, his final breath, it was very sudden, and and yet these quotes seem to come out from him that he is questioning his destination. And again, that's not what we want for you, the listener, to have any doubt about when you are going to breathe your last. We are going to graduate from this vessel. We are destined to live in this vessel one time and then to face the judgment. And we don't want you to have the consternation or fear as you face your final breath, whatever that might be. And the issue here is it for what you'll find for most of these, they didn't simply die of old age. Many of the individuals that we're citing here today are individuals who died even suddenly. And so to even receive a quote from them, uh, in some cases, it wasn't at their final breath because they died so rapidly, so swiftly. And for any of us who are listening and and participating in this broadcast today, whether you're listening to it later on, sharing it with your friends, and and you're hearing it again and again, we have to be reminded that in a moment's notice, we could meet with the Lord today. Uh, A tragic car accident, whatever the circumstance might be, we have to be ready 
uh, to face the Lord even today. That's so true. Literally, we are one heartbeat away from eternity. That's right. (laughs) And we never know. Only God knows when that time is going to be. David Hume, who was an atheist philosopher and famous for philosophy of empiricism and skepticism of religion, is said to have cried out on his deathbed, I am in flames. It is said his desperation was a horrible scene. Mm, I can't can't imagine. You know, there's a quote here from his housekeeper, and this is what she said. It is true, sir, that when Mr. Hume's friends were with him, he was cheerful and seemed quite unconcerned about his approaching fate. Nay, frequently spoke of it to them in a jocular and playful way. But when he was alone, the scene was very different. He was anything but composed. His mental agitation was so great at times as to the occasion his whole bed would shake. He would not allow the candles to be put out during the night, nor would he desire to be left alone for a minute. I always had to ring the bell for one of the servants to be with him in the room before he would allow me to leave it. He struggled hard to appear composed even before me. But to one who attended his bedside for many days and nights and witnessed his disturbed sleeps and still more disturbed wakings, who frequently heard his involuntary breathings of remorse and frightful startlings, it was no difficult matter to determine that all was not right within. This continued and increased until he became insensible. Wow. Wow. That is so convicting. It is. That, that, that can just shock us all where we hear from these individuals who seemed like they had the answers right. to life, right. their deep ponderings of the existence of man. And yet what we find in their final days was anything but. It was the illusion of substance. Oh, definitely. And uh, so let us let me just take us, if we could, Dr. Ford, let's just take it to another angle here. You had some wonderful quotes to share with us here today, because we don't want to leave the listener with <laughs> right, all of that, right? right? Exactly. Although we want to be convicted by this, Amen. because if we have been on the fence at all, if we have not made a decision for Christ, and maybe you're just floundering about, almost like the church of Laodicea, where you're neither hot nor cold and you're lukewarm, and you've not just simply made a decision for Christ, but you're also not in a discipleship posture before him and giving your life to him. You're trying to ride the middle ground here. It is time to make a decision. There are only two roads, two paths here, the way into the destruction and the way unto life. And so, Dr. Ford, when we read the alternative here of the way of life, what we find is though that road is difficult, there is peace in the midst of the storm. Amen. Share with us some of the quotes that you have yeah, for us. Yeah, to be us. out of the body is to be with the Lord. Mm, and amen. so though, here are some last words of some well-known Christians speaking of that. This, this is from John Calvin. I am abundantly satisfied since it is from thy hand. John Knox is quoted as saying, live in Christ, live in Christ, and the flesh need not fear death. Mm, love that. John Wesley proclaimed on his deathbed, the best of all is God is with us. Farewell. Farewell. I mean, it's so different than what we've been reading. Wow, it's just, peace. yeah, couldn't be more opposite. The New England preacher Cotton Mather's last words, is this dying? Is this all? Is this what I feared when I prayed against a hard death? Oh, I can bear this. I can bear this. Isn't that great? <laughs> Love it. Martin Luther, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O God of truth. Sounds very... Martin Luther-ish. Right. Uh, And uh, I think that's a great quote. And this is one of my favorite ones. D.L. Moody, I see earth receding. Heaven is opening. God is calling me. Mm. Wow, such peace in the final hour. You think of Stephen 
as he was in the midst of being stoned. I mean, right. he's he's standing before a mock trial, if you will. I mean, he, right. and he's and he's proclaiming the gospel message, and yet they are their their teeth are gnashing. The, the yeah, hatred is hatred. brewing, oh, and they're ready to turn on him and take his life. And as they begin to execute him. There's such peace yeah. in that as he looks up to heaven and he sees the joyous glory that awaits. There's no doubt where he's going. Right. <laughs> he knows where he's headed. And it's more glorious right. than this flesh ever offered or that this earth ever provided. Or never could. And you, you read the words like even King David, yo, excuse me, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even the apostle Paul, oh, death, where is thy sting? That it has no victory over us. First Corinthians 15. 15 talks about that, of the joy that awaits us as we're transformed in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, that's, as I understand it, that's about the speed of light hitting, reflecting off of the eye lens, that that speed, we are transformed into something new and glorious, into a a state where we're no longer in a body that lets us down and and it grows fatigue, uh, but but rather is enabling us to worship freely of the Lord forever and ever. And then you see the, where the Lord Jesus, when he's being executed on that cross, and we have the, the, the men to his left and to his right, the thieves on the cross, and, and to the one, he says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, in Luke twenty three forty three. So you read these kind of passages, and you just get such hope in the midst of the, what the little the world has to offer, when really, when we put it on the scale in comparison to what the Lord has offered us to those who are willing to walk the narrow road, in Matthew chapter 7, as we look and examine what the Lord has presented, that he is the only way, the truth and the life, John 14, 6. And, and I think that people struggle with that because they don't like the idea that there's only one way unto the Lord. There must be many ways, right? right? And that's why there's such polytheism in the ways of men, and then they claim themselves to be so wise when their definition of morality is so relative. It's ever-changing. It's one way today and a different way tomorrow. There's no absolute truth. Right. And we see in Psalm 14:1 that only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. Yeah. We know that God is all around us. You can't look at the world today and not see a creator, right? I mean, everything points to the complexity of, of the creator, right? And, and this is even a, a cursed earth that we walk upon, right. uh, but yet all of it just screams of the magnitude of who he is. We can't look at the complexity of the human body. When Dr. Michael B., he says that the human body is more complex than the solar system itself. Talk about being in the image of our creator. Yeah. So I know that Dr. Ford, we want to spend some time over the next few weeks just really exploring from an apologetic standpoint Not that this will be a comprehensive apologetic, but as we always want to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us, this is where we get that from, 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And so next week, let's look closely at the two roads. We'll examine about seven more of these quotes from famous atheists. Again, individuals who have claimed to have the answers to life or even the ponderings of life or trying to get us to question our very existence in this world and individuals who have gained quite a following over the many generations and yet in their own lives at the very end, they had no answers because they didn't turn to the only source where the hope, the answer was given in Jesus Christ, our Lord, through his holy word. And so, Dr. Ford, I know that this is very passionate for you as well. 
Any final word to our listener? I think, you know, I, I just need to sort of recap everything that we've talked about today. Just as you were saying, please, anybody who is on the fence about accepting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as your Savior, please, 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 we love you. We want to spend eternity with you. Please do that today. Absolutely. Well, again, we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. Stay tuned. We're going to continue this discussion next week. Again, as we look at the famous atheists and their last words and how that contrasts with the holy word of God and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So again, tune in again next week. To learn more about our ministry at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, visit calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.